This episode is sponsored by Green Design Goods. Green Design Goods was founded by Jennifer Prescott, a green consultant and author of the sustainable living blog JennyGreenJeans.com. With a zero-waste goal always in mind, Green Design Goods' mission is to offer everyday, non-toxic, eco-friendly alternatives for those aspiring to a more environmentally responsible lifestyle. Jennifer's past work for shelter magazines such as Real Simple and Organic Style gives her more than two decades of insight into environmentally conscious living. Check out GreenDesignGoods.com. On this episode, we have Felicia Tomasco. Felicia trained as a nurse after being brought to healing through her Ayurvedic practices. She later fused two teenage passions of hers in writing and yoga to become a member of the founding team of LA Yoga Magazine, eventually becoming editor-in-chief and purchasing ownership. She is also a breast cancer survivor. Felicia, thank you so much for uh, being on this podcast. Oh, I am so honored. You know, one of the things I think that we as human beings and in our various communities can do, and probably one of the most important things we can do, whether it's now or any time, is really set up our own mutual, mutual admiration societies, right? How do we admire each other? How do we see the best in each other? And how do we not just, you know, live in the world of trolls, which is kind of you know, an aspect of what we're living in now where people can sling insults or shame each other or be in um, a place of blame or criticism or anything else. That's so profound. So well said. You know, we, we do need those uh, champions around us because um, mm-hmm. you know, negative talk is an affliction. It's, it's a problem. And so having people who advocate and uh, reassure us and, and, and point out, um, uh, kind of debunk our, our self-doubt <laughs> are so critical and so valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Well, Felicia, I would love to dive into, um, uh, where you grew up and your impulse to pursue nursing as a profession. Well, you know, I, I feel like a little bit I've had one of those lives that's kind of, you know, the long and windy road, you know, if you were to make the soundtrack, the long and windy road. Anyway. Well, that's so perfect for us because our tagline is mining the nonlinear path. So uh, <laughs> prototypical, perfect. Uh, uh, guest and maybe I had you in mind when I conceived of this theme. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm sure you had a lot of people and a lot of conversations and even yourself to some extent in mind when you thought of that theme and I have definitely mined the non-linear path and it feels like it's still going that way. So you know I grew up in a small town in Connecticut and being outdoors and being in nature and hiking and running and playing tennis and, and all these things. So the combination of my interests related to physicality, being outdoors, lots and lots of reading, some writing, some um, interest in philosophy and science and everything else. So when I look back at you know, this, this sense of, you know, the meandering roads that we go on and the nonlinear paths. In some ways, my, the beginning of every part of my path was there at the beginning, right? So and when I look at 
the interests that I had and the way that they all came together. And I became interested in yoga when I was in high school. So I came and interested in yoga from um, high school English class and reading the Transcendentalists. So Emerson and Thoreau who drew heavily in their writings and in their work and their essays on um, works like the Upanishads and the various aspects of um, Indian philosophy that are so intertwined with the teachings and practices of yoga. So I became interested in yoga and meditation and everything when I was in high school. And I was also interested in science and physiology and human physiology and medicine. So it was just kind of the sense of, you know, things continuing to converge. And when I went to college, I went to the University of Colorado Boulder. I um, studied environmental biology and anthropology, and I loved um, ethnobotany and plants and ecosystems and ecosystem ecology. And um, I started studying yoga for real, and I did my first yoga teacher training when I was in college. So again, it was this sense of everything converging, everything coming together. I studied Ayurveda when I was in college, and that was an, a moment of, you know, all these doors opening and sort of my mind and, and connections being made and just seeing the way that everything, everything again connected. And in some ways there was everything, everything was already connected. Like if we look at, you know, some of my fascinations around ecosystem ecology and plant biology and, and herbology also relates to Ayurveda, also relates to yoga, also relates to all of these things converging. And I went to nursing school, you know, later after doing my yoga teacher training, after becoming a yoga therapist, after becoming an Ayurvedic practitioner, then I went to nursing school. And I so, went to nursing school. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, uh, just, uh, did you finish your degree at uh, Boulder and then? I did. Yeah, okay. I did. So I have did, a degree in, I did. And so I kind of did all these things like then you went to simultaneously. I did. I saw so I have a, I had a bachelor's degree in environmental biology. And then a few years later, I went to nursing school. And I'm just amazed that um, the, uh, the yoga practices you adopted, the Ayurvedic uh, practices, um, that was the impulse to go into healing. Yes. Yes, it was the impulse to go into healing. And um, you know, I chose nursing for a variety of reasons. One is that nursing at its heart is a holistic system in which, you know, a person's, you know, body, mind, heart, spirit, family, socialization, you know, their whole self is really taken into account, into perspective. And even in the field of nursing, we have something called, you know, a nursing diagnosis, which is far different than a medical diagnosis and a nursing diagnosis relates to all these psychosocial spiritual activities of daily living um coping mechanisms you know all of these things that kind of go side by side with what somebody's medical diagnosis might be and so i you know, for me, as a very sincere student of yoga and Ayurveda, this approach and this framework really appealed to me. No, I couldn't agree with you more, um, Felicia. The, the, the nurses are the ones who are the front line of interaction with the patients. 
and they're mm-hmm. the ones who are there. They see the uh, the the toils, the ups and downs, and they're the best position to be advocates uh, for for patients. I think you you chose wisely because you're. Your pa- compassionate orientation is so well suited to that role. Yeah, and it's a it's a perspective too that really ap- appeals to me, even from you know my training in yoga and Ayurveda and meditation and everything else. You know the how all of these things come together and integrate. That's my area of passion, and that's why I went to nursing school. And you know it's interesting because I went to nursing school. Oh, maybe 15 years ago now. And, you know, at the time it was, you know, there, there was a little bit less of an integration as there is now. And so a lot of my friends in the Ayurvedic community were shocked that I would do this route. And now since then, you know, even some of the, my friends that I studied with or that I studied Ayurveda with are now medical doctors and, and, and healthcare professionals. And I know far more people even in the Ayurvedic community who are licensed medical professionals as well as being, you know, very talented Ayurvedic healers and um, doctors and practitioners and, and um, coaches. So there's, you know, so much integration now. And, you know, and I found that even going to nursing school made me a much better holistic practitioner, you know, and having that really having that perspective and, and being able to be with people in that way. And I never felt, you know, d- discouraged being in a hospital or anything else, because I think the thing is, sometimes we look at whether it is, you know, Eastern or Western approaches or what we label as alternative or integrative or, you know, even different schools of thought. And we think of them as being either or right? And, and this even relates to the, you know, that sort of nonlinear path of your, you know, your, the theme of your discussions. And we sometimes think of things as being either or, but really they're not either or, they're and, or they're what's the most relevant course of action in this moment. You know, and one of, you know, many of my Ayurvedic teachers and, you know, especially Robert Sabota would talk a lot about, you know, the most common answer for an Ayurvedic question is it depends. <laughs> right? right. So and and even looking at, you know, I I really also appreciate my my background in in college and university, my bachelor's degree in ecosystem ecology, right? And and science that in so many ways we as human beings, you know, our body, mind, our heart, our spirit, even just the physicality of ourselves, we really are an ecosystem. We're not just an organism, right? And so this all falls into play. And it's something that, you know, I think about, you know, every day of my life. And that guides, you know, a lot of the things that that I do and navigate at, at this time. Oh, that makes complete sense. And, uh, you know, I love your discussion about systems and your interest in them and, and how that informed your holistic medicine mm-hmm. approach. Um, when you say holistic medicine, what does that mean for, for you? What does that mean for Felicia? Well, you know what that means for Felicia? And um, I, I appreciate that, that, that question, right? Because that can mean very different things for different people. And for me, it really does mean the and, right? It's not 
the or and you know something that you know i have personally experienced and i know we've shared this in other conversations and i've shared it in other conversations on social media and various places is um you know i i feel very fortunate that i've not had chronic illnesses or things for most of my life and and i've but um i did have a cancer diagnosis and um just recently and when i was first diagnosed it was very shocking to me like wait but a lifetime of ayurveda and yoga practices and eating my body weight and turmeric and meditating every day since i was 17 you know i should i should be i you know <laughs> i should be like captain america right so but the thing is it's like you know we're all human beings and none of us gives none nothing gives us a free pass but if we really look at what what holistic medicine means and what i think it means is that we use every tool that is available to us and use discernment to decide you know what is the most appropriate whether it is diagnostic technique or intervention to use at any one time you know so I made sure to go through the entire process from start to finish of getting a really good diagnosis. And at the same time, I also made sure that I was an advocate for myself. I chose my doctors. I knew that these were people that I was hiring to be on my healthcare team. I very carefully read everything. I weighed out different scenarios and different suggestions and different solutions. I went to therapy. But I also saw medical intuitives and continued to use various um, herbal modalities and food and meditation and, and everything. And one of my friends and I had a, a joke that as I was getting closer and closer to the intervention of surgery, which everything indicated was, you know, the... Uh, an important option was, you know, there was a point where the surgeons, you know, of course, you know, surgeons will tend to make recommendations for surgery. And then when the medical intuitives and the Vedic astrologers and various people were also making, you know, moves towards that, you know, this might be a good idea. And so the back to the joke, the joke my friend and I had was when the psychics and the surgeons agree. And so, you know, maybe that is, you know, the essence of holistic medicine, right? When, you're, when your psychics and your surgeons agree. And not that I necessarily advocate for a person to get their, you know, diagnostic methodology from a psychic, but I think it's also, it just looks at, you know, we are multifaceted people, right? And whether we seek blessings from um, spiritual figures, whether we seek insight whether we seek techniques such as Reiki, whether we use food, you know, I think all of it. And that was something that, you know, I really experienced is the power of using all of it, the power of using foods to help rebuild collagen and recover after surgery, the power of using meditation. I used meditation before each and every procedure. You know, I would be in a waiting room meditating to be able to put my you know complete totality of the ecosystem of my being into a state in which i could um have the best outcome from whatever the procedure the intervention or the diagnostic test was or would be and so i really you know firsthand saw the 
power of that, or at least I believe it from my own experience. That is so exquisite, so wonderful <laughs> what you've shared that, uh, and, and Felicia, you are forging a new paradigm now uh, <laughs> when the psychic and the surgeon align. That <laughs> right. synchronicity is what should drive <laughs> Right. <laughs> Healthcare decisions. Um, I, I, I mean, you're just, you're so well positioned to be able to talk about these things and, and grapple with them because you've straddled both sides. You've, you've um, you know, you, you have the, the technical scientific approach of very traditional medicine, but you're an aficionado in um, alternative or integrative and, and holistic health paradigms or ways of thinking and so uh, i just think it's such an informed approach and and it's it's fascinating when the caretaker becomes the patient right and you, you know what i'm hearing from you and i'd love for you to expand on this is um how much all of those healing modalities or ways of thinking uh, informed how you approached your treatment um, um, after your cancer diagnosis? There is more than one layer or more than one level or more, more than one facet that needs to be addressed. Because I think that's another aspect of the question you're asking, which is recognizing that there is, I think, such a value to the levels of emotional, psychological, and spiritual inquiry that you can go into in those arenas. And I did work with, you know, trained psychotherapists and, and people that could, you know, help unpack that in a responsible way, right? Yeah, and when, yeah, and when we think about that nonlinear path of just any of our lives and, and that it isn't just one thing that drives us or one perspective or one aspect of, of something that we need to look at, address, or handle. And, and that was something I think that I was very aware of and continue to be aware of today, both personally and professionally. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, by the way, I appreciate you uh, invoking the nonlinear path. <laughs> On a regular basis, it's that's a great thrill for me. Uh, it just well, in the sense that it it uh, resonates with you. Otherwise, right. you, you wouldn't be be saying it. You're a very well respected member of the broad yoga community. Um, I've been in this space. I've interacted with many people, and um, it's it's almost like your credibility is ascertained by how well you know Felicia. <laughs> it was really one of those situations of one thing leading to another that, you know, being encouraged and guided by my teachers along the way. I, I probably wouldn't have done my first teacher training if one of my teachers hadn't said, you know, Felicia, I'm starting a teacher training and I, you need to be in it. And any, any um, reason I had not to, she had a reason why I needed to be in it, right? So it was sort of the opposite of, you know, in the stories when the student goes knocking on the door and they're sent away three times, right? My teacher came to me and I tried to send her away three times um, until I was in a teacher training program. And so it was one of those, those things. And I think even my, my um, participation in what we consider to be the greater yoga community, which is a very 
diverse and dispersed group of people, you know, around the world and in various communities. And, you know, I went to my first yoga conference before Yoga Journal was even doing conferences, um, Unity and Yoga, I think it was in 93 or 94 in Aspen, Colorado. And I met people like Larry Payne, who is, you know, one of my great teachers and colleagues and the founder, one of the founders of the International Association of Yoga Therapists. I was on the board of directors of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association for nine years. And I, um, because one of the other board of directors members is asked me to and I'm like oh no I can't oh Felicia and then I ran for office and I was elected three times I don't have a view of yoga lineages that one is better than another right because because my study of yoga is filtered through my understanding of this um, body of knowledge called Ayurveda and in the body of knowledge of Ayurveda there is an understanding of our uniqueness there is an understanding of ourselves as systems within systems. And there's an understanding that we're in these interactions where it depends, you know, there's many right answers. There are many correct yoga practices. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, if you take us back to your initial experiences with yoga, um, what was it that made you feel like, wow, this is the thing, this is what I need to keep doing? Wow, that's such a good question. And I'm not sure I know the answer to that other than I, first it was just kind of fascination and getting out books and going to a meditation center and practicing. And, and, and as I already mentioned, I already had a, a bent toward the, physical as well as toward the philosophical yeah oh, that's amazing mm -hmm. um you you mentioned um your family a little bit ago and um it, just with the thesis of our hypothesis i should probably say of uh tracing fearlessness i'd love for you to share about your mom who recently completed her law degree my mother who um i should not hold she is she's in her 70s and she's like 74 maybe 75 i'd have to i'd have to like do some math and but um she just yes she did she just recently finished law school in her 70s and is studying for the bar exam and she is a person you know my my entire family are very formidable formidable personalities you know my my sister my my dad my mom they are um, very, all very driven and all very thoughtful and all very um, in the pursuit of excellence and knowledge and education and work and really are those people that also dive fully into whatever their work in the world is with great um, enthusiasm. And so <laughs> I definitely, you know, in my own path and in my own chosen field, I definitely have um, mirrored a bit of that. Yeah, it's you know, an inheritable trait we're learning. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's so interesting because my mother who finished law school in her 70s also has um, two master's degrees. <laughs> right? She has an MBA and a master's in counseling. And... Um, 
Yes. Wow. And That's just beyond impressive. <laughs> yeah. um, you come from a good gene pool, Felicia. I, I guess so. And, <laughs> and sort of that, that, uh, you know, positive family peer pressure of, uh, <laughs> of <laughs> slight workaholism or something you know because right. I think it's still but 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 for me it's like those lines of work and passion and play and everything become very blurred right because when one's you know um spiritual practice and physical practice and social practices and work practices all intertwine right but that you know sometimes is is the you know, that's one path that we choose, right? And one of those things, and I think about this, you know, because sometimes people say, when you're on your deathbed, will you wish you didn't work as much? You know, heard people say, you know, their greatest deathbed wish is they spent too much time at the office. And it's like, when I hear that, I'm like, well, those people were at the wrong office, <laughs> right? That's genius. Yeah, they were at the wrong office. I love it. Um, share with us, Felicia, how you came to be the editor-in-chief of LA Yoga Magazine. Well, with LA Yoga Magazine, I was not the founder, but I was part of the founding team. Right. And so I moved from Colorado, where I was living, to California. And one of my teachers in California, uh, teachers in Colorado, told me I needed to meet one of her friends, Julie Dicey, in California. So I called up Julie and I said, you know, my teacher, Patricia Hansen, said I need to meet you. And we were, you know, talking about what I did and I had worked actually professionally as a writer and editor and researcher for you know a few years and I had studied Ayurveda and I had studied yoga and I was all these all these again somewhat disparate non-linear interests that were converging and Julie this was six months before Julie founded LA Yoga magazine and she's like well she's like I am in the midst of this project and I would love for you to be part of the team and so there were a few of us on that team and we all did everything. We drove magazines around, we sold ads, we wrote stories, we edited each other, we did all these things. We interviewed people. So I did that. I did everything. And Julie was my mentor and I, I started as an unpaid intern and then I was a staff writer and then I was a assistant editor or associate editor. And when she when she sold the magazine to a small publishing firm in New York, she sold it with me as the editor in chief. And, you know, and, and my interview with the person who became my boss, the publisher was like five minutes long and <laughs> basically like, okay, you know, here you are, welcome, you know, this is what's happening. And then he was my, you know, sort of um, mentor and patron and everything for a few years. And then um, he was taking the company into different directions and I bought out LA Yoga Magazine. So I went from, you know, it's one of those sort of classic things of like starting out as an unpaid intern and then ending up as the owner of the company. So. I love that. It's such a great story and especially the way you went about it. Um, mm -hmm to uh because i mean yes the series of promotions and that path was clear but then to take ownership of it uh and be you know just the the, the financial aspect of that transaction to me is is so compelling and it speaks volumes about your belief in in what you're doing and uh i think that's extraordinary do you still have time for teaching teaching yoga classes I, you know, on and off, I, you know, being a yoga teacher, I think is part and parcel of like my cellular makeup. 
And um, I've gone through different phases with it in, in the trajectory of my life. I've taught a lot. I've taught less. I've, you know, had to go up and down with teaching based on various deadlines and everything else. But even, and, you know, much to the consternation of my family, even last year going through cancer treatment, I would teach like a few days after I would have a surgery or I would do something else. I would just teach. And so I, I do still teach on a regular basis. I do still teach in person when I have opportunities to teach in person. And I teach, I'm on faculty at Loyola Marymount University. I, I teach at a lot of different places. I've taught for the online site, um, Yoga Glow, now called Glow, for a long time, since you know more than 10 years. You've taken my class, so I've taught at Santa Monica Yoga. I've taught on the Santa Monica Pier. Felicia, what would you say has been, um, and I, I know you've gone through a lot of struggles, so it's almost like hard to maybe choose the right one, but um, if you could share a low point in your life and kind of what helped you get through that? Oh, that's a really good question. Let me see. Um, you know, interestingly enough, it's probably not going through cancer treatment. I had a suspicion. Um, that's why I asked it. It's <laughs> so funny, but it's like, I don't think I really thought about it. And sometimes it's like the low points are kind of surprising too. You know, mm -hmm. one of them, one of them was probably when my, my partner died. So a couple of years ago, um, I was in a relationship and, and surprisingly she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and, and died seven months later, even after receiving, you know, some of the world's best cancer treatment. So, and yeah, well, and I think it was also kind of the the nascency of your relationship with her. You had just found her. Yeah, we were together. We, you know, I counting the whole thing down from when we met to when she died was two years and two months. Such a short time, My which God. is such a short time, right? So there's also just you know, even as we go through various experiences as an embodied person, right? You know, our our bodies get kind of used to things, so. So part of what was so challenging about that experience is that everything happened so fast that it was, you know, almost too fast to process, mm -hmm. right? Too fast Emotional to whiplash, as it yeah. were. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Yes. So too fast to process. And at the time, you know, at various stages of it, I thought I was processing things, mm -hmm. right? So I thought I was, I thought I was on it. I thought I was processing, but there's there's a sense of and it, it taught me so much too about the um the kind of shock of grief it gave me an appreciation too of how much things are on their own unique timeline than the trajectory of our lives right yeah we can't dictate that um well felicia this has been an amazing conversation as i, I knew it would i've been looking mm -hmm. forward to this uh for some time and I, I can't wait to to share this with uh with others well, always a pleasure to talk to you so thank Likewise, you so much mm -hmm. be well okay. we'll talk soon you too perfect Thanks. achieve is recorded at subtractive and hangar eight at the santa monica airport music is produced by hennity